Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Adrian Goldberg's talk show coming today from a cafe in Northfield in Birmingham where I'm meeting up with Kath Lloyd. Kath is the author of a book called When Dad Became Joan, Life with My Transgender Father. It's one hell of a story. Uh, Kath, very good morning to you. Hi, lovely to be here. So, come on then, the title gives us so much of a come on. Life with my transgender father. Yes, yeah, so basically the, the book is about my version of events starting nearly 31 years ago in 1987 when my dad um, suddenly sat me down and said that basically he didn't want to be who he was any longer and was going to undergo transgender reassignment. At that point, had you any idea that your dad might not be happy living as a man? There was no inkling of a clue at all. Um, The way I put it is my dad became an expert in deception. He, um, well, still is, you know, a hard worker, very conscientious, very kind, very caring, but in his own time would be doing all the alpha male type activities. So it would be, you know, gardening, DIY, running to keep fit, hobbies were rock climbing, mountaineering, sailing, you know, all of those sorts of activities that at that time you weren't so much associated with the female trait. And what was he like more generally? Tell me about him growing up. What kind of dad was he? A superb dad. Um, very sensitive, which now now I know you, you understand where the female traits perhaps were. Uh, so very sensitive, very conscientious, very kind, very caring, very supportive, um, a hard worker, But family was always really, really important. So um, we had a lot of, you know, family holidays where, you know, um, mostly camping in the UK and other members of the family would come and join us. So very family orientated life that we led outside of the work life. And I only ask because I think it's relevant to how you dealt with what then happened in 1987. How old were you? So I was 23, I'd finished doing my degree at um, Leicester Polytechnic and um, it was July and I'd sort of moved back home but as a 23 year old you don't really spend much time at home because you're out with your friends and you know um, your partner and suddenly I just got a summons to come home from my dad and usually a summons by your dad means that you've done something wrong and I just thought oh god what have I done now you know so I arrive home my mum I don't know where she is she's about doing mum type stuff somewhere in the house and I'm sitting there waiting for my dad just wondering why why you know what what's going to happen and eventually my my dad comes into the room with quite a strained look on his face and carefully sits down and being a very internally reflective person every word every sentence every phrase was carefully placed and he just started talking about how he'd had these feelings for for many many years um, how he didn't feel as if he 
is the right person from a very early age. As he was telling you this, what were you thinking before the final revelation of what was to come? What did you imagine he might be about to tell you? Well, I wasn't really sure, but as the conversation came to more modern day, I was beginning to think, is he ill? Is my mum ill? Are they going to divorce? You know, all the perhaps more usual things. And, but I couldn't understand really where things were going when he started to say things like, your mum's known for a long time and she agrees with what I want to do. And that's when I really started to get confused about what was going to come next. And then he, he came to the point and said, I can't be who I am any longer because I might do something more serious to myself and your mum agrees that I am to undergo transgender reassignment. I am going to become a woman. Wow. (laughs) Was a bit. (laughs) And I didn't know what to say and I was so shocked because I just didn't have a clue that I laughed and laughter is, you know, a Uh, an effect of shock of stress and as I was laughing I was looking at my dad and he was deadly serious and I stopped laughing what did you honestly think I don't really remember what I honestly felt or thought at that time because I was so shocked and you know, my dad asked me, have you got any questions? And I knew I'd got a million questions, but at that time I just didn't know what they were. But I didn't want, I didn't want it to happen because if I didn't have my dad, who was I going to have instead? You know, who was this new person going to be? And I'd had 23 years of my dad. And so it was just such a huge change. I just didn't know what was going to happen next. I didn't know the next time I I saw them who I would be seeing. Would I be seeing my dad or would I be seeing somebody totally different? And I didn't really know how it was going to work because this was 1987. It wasn't talked about. We'd seen a couple of programmes on the telly years and years and years before. And I didn't really know why we were watching them, but... I now know why we watched them. And um, it was just the uncertainty. And I'm not very good with uncertainty. And, you know, eventually I got up and left. Um, and it was very, very awkward. And none of us, my mum sort of came out to say bye because I was going to go to my boyfriend's. And um, none of us really knew how it was going to be the next time we were together as a family and the last thing I was told was you know nobody except immediate family it has this information you can tell Nick but you can't tell anybody else Nick being my boyfriend who is now my husband and did you have any siblings any close family members you could discuss it with Yes, I've got a sister, but she was busy away doing her life at university and, and working and with her boyfriend and spending a lot of time away from home. 
Um, in terms of uncles and aunts, there was nobody really around the corner. Um, and I suppose at that particular time, I became closest to Nick and his family, but I couldn't talk to any of them about it because I was sworn to secrecy almost. But then, you know, I went to Nick's and I told, eventually I told Nick, but then he had, had to, got, he got a secret to keep as well. He knows. Your secret, your my dad's secret. secret. My yeah. dad's secret, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, what was so difficult was that if I laughed, you know, and I, I, I love and respect and trust my dad, and I laughed, what was everybody else going to do? And that was the frightening thing. And you talk about not being sure who you were going to see next time you met your dad. Was there a sense then that, for you, in one form at least, your dad had died? Yes, and this is only really what it felt like when I was, dis- when I was discussing this with my sister. But it was, it was a str- it's strange because he hadn't died, he was still there in a different format. But then, of course, the transition period, the, this, this person who is a man, who is desperately trying to look like a woman, but with still a lot of male mannerisms, there's still a lot of male features. And so that changeover period for me was really, really difficult because I was still seeing my dad dressed in women's clothing. I hadn't got to this, you know, it was a very very difficult change for me to actually see dad as Joan and not keep thinking I want my dad back I want to be able to see my dad that familiar face that familiar figure because you know this person didn't look like my dad any longer didn't sound like my dad um, didn't behave like my dad and had different friends and to a certain extent different hobbies and so, you know, it's a big transformation. Did you attempt to talk him out of it? No, um, I didn't. I desperately wished he wouldn't have done it. But at the end of the day, you know, my dad said to me that, at, 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 you know, at certain times he had um, contemplated suicide. Um, you know, um, disfigurement. And if I had tried to talk him out of it and he did go down that route, would I be responsible for that? As the transition then took place, Mm -hmm. you've talked about your discomfort Mm -hmm. with that, really. That must have been obvious to neighbours, to friends who'd known him previously as a man how did that period of transition work out for him um it was very very difficult for him and my mum you know because you feel you know your place in society don't you your your place in the family and it's sort of not knowing who knows and how they know whether they've been told personally or whether they've heard through the grapevine and you know, they did write to friends who lived away and they were very accepting, but of course they weren't in their, our lives every day. Um, 
friends disappeared because I suppose my parents sort of closed themselves off a little bit just to try and manage and get through this very, you know, changeable time. Um, And so it was very, very difficult for both of them because in actual fact, my mum knew 10 years before I knew. So my mum had had to struggle with this on her own for 10 years. And so actually, you know, my, my mother changed quite a lot. And at the time I didn't understand why, but she actually became quite closed off and put on a hard exterior. Because at the end of the day, she was protecting herself, protecting her daughters, protecting her marriage and the people she worked with. Um, And so, yes, it was very difficult for my dad and having to have the courage to go out as somebody totally different and who was going to see them. But also it was very, very difficult for my mum as well because she would have to deal with the backlash of all of this. And did your mum support your dad through the transition and stay with him? Did she save her marriage? Yes, she did. And this, so in a way, this book isn't just a celebration about us as a family, my dad finally being the person that he really wanted to be, but also about my mum for digging deep. You know, if she decided, like most relationships do, that I'm not having any of this, I'm going, then it would have been a very, very different story. But my mum dug deep and she really connected with her values. And at the end of the day, I'm not saying that she didn't think about leaving, but at the end of the day, she made that decision that, you know, I love this person and I married this person because I love this person and marriage is for life. And so that's how she made her decision based on her core values. Thank good, you know, thankfully. In 1987, the idea of trans people was, of course, known, but there was, I would suggest, much less acceptance of the, the state of being in transition or being transgender than there is today, much less awareness, much yes. less knowledge around it. What was your understanding, what was your feeling about it when your dad told you? Unhappiness. I just, I didn't, I just didn't understand how it happened, why the brain gets confused. And there's still a lot of uncertainty around it. I mean, my grandma thought that she had done something wrong when she was pregnant, and she hadn't done anything wrong. There was no information. So the only support that me and my sister had, really, was my dad who was going through it and my mum who was struggling with it as well. I mean, now, today, there's, like you say, there's lots of information on the internet. You know, it's, you send your children off to counselling, don't you, if they're struggling, and, you, you know, counselling was for adults back then. And I, I just didn't want it because I didn't want to lose that person. But what I failed to realise, which took me so long, was I was so caught up in in the, the exterior, the facade of this person, that I'd failed to realise that actually that person was still the same underneath. How long did it take you to call Dad, Joan? Well, I admit I still 
because I dad sometimes, you know. But I didn't really... I had to start straight away because, you know, Joan didn't want to be called dad any longer because Joan wanted to be Joan. Um, but to start being more comfortable around it, you know, it took me about 25 years. <laughs> Call me a slow learner. But that was because... I wouldn't accept it. I didn't want to accept it. And what form then did that refusal to accept it take? Was it hostility towards your dad? Was it something that you took away when you'd met him and kind of festered within you? Where was that resentment living? Well, yes, I mean, if you don't acknowledge something and you don't accept it, something, yes, it does fester and build and grow and become... <laughs> you know become something ugly um all of the time you know through this 30 years I've never lost contact with my dad but I always found it very very difficult but gradually you know it you, you it becomes to start feeling normal but then it would those feelings and that those difficult times would manifest at key periods in my life so getting married for example when I had my first child um, you know they were biggies for me Um, and then you know trying to solve the problem of how was I going to get married without my dad walking me down the aisle how did I want this new person to be in my children's lives. Well, how did you negotiate that then on your wedding day? <laughs> did, did, did Joan walk you down the aisle? No. <laughs> we, in the end, you know, there was lots of discussion of how we were going to manage it. You know, my mum was saying, well, you know, if you and Nick just want to go off and get married, we'll give you the money and that's fine with us you can just go off and get married and that you know appealed to my husband because he isn't one for big fuss and then on the other hand we got his mother saying if you ever go off and get married and don't give me the opportunity to come on never speak to you again the rest of my life but we had to find our way around it and we came to a a conclusion when I look back at it now it's absolutely ridiculous but at the time, it worked. Which was? Which was, you read it in the book. Come on, come on. <laughs> Which was um, simple registry office wedding. Nick and I went together, and he couldn't slope off to the pub, so we went together. And Joan wasn't at the wedding, but came to the reception. How do you feel about that now? Ashamed. It, uh, it makes me feel really quite emotional that that is how I felt at the time. But I was trying to manage the situation for everybody, not just for me. If I did it again, it would be totally different, but marriage is for life for me, like my mum. <laughs> uh, and was your decision not to allow Joan to walk you down the aisle, was that about a sense of shame about who she was I think part of it was as well I think part of it was about keeping my mum happy because at that time my father my dad was going through that period of having to live full-time in their chosen gender so couldn't go back to being my dad my mum would have desperately liked that um, because you know for Joan it was coming to the end of that period 
and you know a few weeks after my marriage Joan was going to start the major treatment, the major operations. So I couldn't have possibly asked Joan to do that either. When did you become reconciled fully with Joan as Joan? About, I suppose it was about three years ago. My parents, they lived together as companions successfully now and as adult children it gets to a stage where you have to go in and start sorting don't you sorting their you know personal effects out and it was at that stage and I was sorting out you know 40 years of mortgage statements bank statements petrol receipts all of those things and I was at the garden there was so much sensitive information that the only way to do it was really to burn it and I was there you know beautiful sunny day um, burning all of these documents and in the bottom of the fire was a signature of my dad and I suddenly got really really frightened that that was really if I didn't save something of that that was the only, there was nothing else I could hold on to. So I was there busy rummaging through the box to find that, that signature. And luckily... Of, of, your, of my dad. Of Joan as your dad as a man. Yes. And luckily I found my dad's and I found my mum's. And I was able to put them together, fold them up, put them in my pocket. And I wept. I, I, I wept while I was doing this. And that was the release because that was like putting my dad to rest that was the end of the bereavement process and at the end of that I was able to go down the garden I'd got salty streaks, dried up tear streaks down my cheeks and I was able to go down the garden feeling lighter refreshed cleansed and then you know it has just been so much easier since then at the end of the day, Joan still is my dad, but with a different exterior.